This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. <laughs> Welcome to another To Hell in a Handbasket podcast. And now, here's your host, Dolly Diamond. A little yellow basket. Oh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Hell in a Handbasket with me, Dolly Diamond. Well, my guest tonight, I tell you what, he's an intelligent young man. He's looking at me. Even he looks intelligent. There's something about him, and he's joining me now, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Bant. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me here. Young man, it's been a while since I've heard that. Oh, you are. I've I've had some old ones in here. (laughs) Have you? Yes, some old decrepit things in here. You look young. Well, thank you. You've got a very young face, though, that's, I think, haven't that's you? That's nice. That's nice to hear. You're lucky that way. Thank you. I've got to wear a lot of makeup to look this young. It's not easy, Adam. I've had to do it from time to time in Parliament. Well, yes, you would, wouldn't you? Because yeah. you're on the TV a lot as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's So you right. po- have a little bit of makeup on there. You but you're not when you're at home, though. You don't wear much makeup there, do you? Not really. Anything you want to reveal? No, no. I'm sorry. No, no saucy makeup. No, secrets. no. Well, it can all come out in the hour. No worries. Now, you were... Born, is this right? You were born in Adelaide. I was. All right. Now, I like Adelaide. It gets a bit of a bad rep, doesn't it? It's. I've been back there a couple of times, and there's bits of it that I still remember. I mean, I spent the first 10 years of my life there mm. with, a, with a year in um, Wyala along the way, which was pretty interesting. I don't think I know that. Um, the uh, dad went out to teach social work at the TAFE in Wyala. and so it rough? I, that's my that's my memory of it. Yes. That's where I started uh, school there. So I've got um, um, memories of it being a pretty rough and tumble place. Mm, I don't know if I'd like it. Yeah, I, I haven't been the in a locals hurry. Locals are quite nice, though, aren't they? I'm uh, look. There were some people there that were really good friends. I got memories of lots of really good times there. Yes. I haven't been back. But I've been back to Adelaide. No, um, yes. Well, I mean, I like going back to Adelaide every now and again, I think. I wouldn't want to live there, but then, you know, that's each their own, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it, our, um, back in the 1850s, I think it was Otto Bandt who came out from Germany. As yes, part I of read that. that, and that's where he went. He thought, Germany, Adelaide, I like it. Well, a lot of them did, and there's um, a lot of towns that still have their German names. A lot of them lost their German names during World War One, and then got them back again. And the Bants went out there and there was a Bant who was a, um, a miller and another one who was a butcher. And the only thing I know about him was that he was put on trial for selling unsafe meat and fine. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he wow. had, yeah. So. Well, there's nothing worse. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> You could say that. I couldn't no, possibly um, comment. Well, there isn't. It's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> We've all had that. Now, um, you, um, but then you grew up really in, uh, in Western Australia. Mm. Whereabouts uh, were you over there? In um, uh, Subiaco, Shenton Park, oh, for yes. a little while, which was really nice. And then um, when I went to uni, I uh, moved down to Fremantle, Frio, and that it has a special place in my heart, Fremantle. It's a really nice place. It is lovely over there, isn't yeah. it? Well, did you like school in the younger years? Did you like school? Because I would imagine you thrived at university from what I've read. Uh, I did like school and um, I had the joy of going to Hollywood High School in Perth. Oh, isn't that nice? I yeah, like that. Which was great. And 
Um, is yeah, it I anything have, like Hollywood? Have you been to Hollywood? I haven't been. No, I, I would imagine it's not like it at all. Not, not for me. No. The, the I think you know the closest I got to celebrity was meeting the Queen when I was at Hollywood High School. Wow, that was that's about not it. Bad is it? <laughs> She's go. quite a well-known celebrity. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's not very Hollywood either, though. No, is she? Not very Hollywood. No, um, but then of course uh, university now Murdoch University. Um, whereabouts is that then? That's. That's sort of just a bit inland from Fremantle, a right. bit south of Perth, so right. in the city. And I, I think I read, and I was not surprised by this, that you were a student activist. I was. I um, started, uh, I think my first demonstration that I went on was probably in high school when it was against the nuclear-powered warships that were coming into Fremantle. You didn't. You liked them or you didn't like them? <laughs> it was against. Oh, you were against them. All right. It was, yeah. I still remember marching. Um, there was probably about ten of us. and That's uh, not what the Queen arrived on, is it? It's, it's not what the Queen no. arrived on. We had a banner that said, I think it's something like this is a death ship, not a tourist attraction, because, of course, everyone flocks down and gets on the um, wanders around and has a look at it when the ship comes into yes. harbour. And I remember us walking past and um, a mum, as she was getting her kids out of the car to go and walk around the warship, said, um, as she saw us walking past, quick, quick, come and have a look at the stupid people. And that was sort of, a me- uh, f- for me, sort of seared in my mind what would be involved if I took this path of continuing to speak out and be an activist. But it didn't stop me. And then when I was at uni, got involved in the education campaigns. I still keep a picture up in my office of um, me at a first demonstration in the 90s with my denim jacket and best Dawson's Creek haircut. Oh, yes. Standing there trying to... Were you a member of the Left Alliance? Yeah, all that, just the the lefty rat bag at university. Um, That's that's what I was. But what I admire about that is that you're passionate about it. And that's what it is. I mean, you could, you know, uh, look at the stupid people, what, people with beliefs. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's that's right. Isn't it, it really? And education, the thing that got me, uh, I guess, particularly passionate about education and university was that my... My dad was the first one in his family to go to uni. His dad, before him, worked in the post office all his life. His mum raised the kids, as many women of that generation did. And um, he went because it was free and affordable. And he didn't go on to anything as boring like law as me. He went and became a social worker and then set up a phone service line and kind of had that spirit of giving back to his community. And for me, I could see the cost of education getting so high that people like my dad weren't going to be able to go in the first place. So right. that's, that's, what, that's what spurred me. Yes. Now, I think I also read, I will point out that we get a lot of our information uh, from Parli- no, from Wikipedia. You know, so <laughs> it does Greg Hunt, the Minister for the Environment, so you're not alone there. It didn't take you very long to get that dick in, did it? I'm glad you did, though. Um, now, I think you were quoted as saying that the Greens uh, were a bourgeois party. Is that right? I bet that's come back to I, pr- I probably did say something like that. I don't remember that exactly, but that wouldn't surprise me. But I think it's, you know, that old adage, if I can modify it, if you're not a socialist at 20 you haven't got a heart, but if you're not an environmentalist at 40, you haven't got a head. So for me, it's Well, there's a lot of uh, people at the moment without a head then, isn't (laughs) there? that's right. Uh, You were president of the student union. Is that right? I was, yes. And uh, I think, well, what is it about? That you just wanted to rally everybody together, I would imagine. Yeah, it felt like a place where I could 
make a difference. And um, it was a pretty, you know, Murdoch Uni was one of those Whitlam Unis and it was a pretty lefty, ratbaggy kind of place and um, all the, it was in the throes of change, but there were still a lot of the old um, staff who were there from the 70s who were just fantastic and it really had, you know, a lovely communal collegiate and lefty feel to it. And when you uh, you left there, and then it went, so I think you went to, uh, you were studying law then, weren't you? Yeah, I was. And uh, tell us a bit about that time. Um, well, it, when I finished school, I cho- had to choose which university I wanted to go to, either UWA, the sort of the Sandstone Uni, or this place called Murdoch Uni, where they were starting a new law school, which seemed progressive and, you know, had things like, feminist legal theory and yes. so on and so I thought oh well that sounds like me so I'll go there and um, it was great and you know we it, it was still the era where you could um, move out and live in a student house uh, in Frio as three of us did um, the rent was half of the OS study and so my only I only had to work one shift a week in the evening at the university bar to make ends meet, and they gave you free drinks at the end of that. So right, rather that, than nowadays, we should probably have to work every hour that you've oh, got. People left. are working 15, 20, 30 hours, and the cost Which of, obviously cuts down on the drinking time. That's exactly right. And know. the cost of, you know, just renting somewhere near your study in Melbourne, it's just possible. It's impossible, yes. Yeah. So I had a good time. My guest tonight is Adam Bant from The Greens. Uh, now, I tell you what, I've got you down as once you move from Western Australia, you arrive in Melbourne and then you're an industrial... I've got to read this, Adam. I've got to read it. You're an industrial labour relations and public interest lawyer and that was all at um, Slater and Gordon. That's right. It was the... Um, what is that? What were you doing there? Well, it's actually the same job that Julia Gillard used to have and that's probably not something that necessarily want to broadcast quite so much at the moment. She's just been hauled in front of the um, Royal Commission over her time yes. there. I, I, um, Are you next? Escaped all, well, I've escaped all of that, so um, uh, no, I'm not, thankfully. Uh, but I basically represented low-paid workers and unions. That was my job, uh, as well as doing a little bit of public interest stuff, so cases where... Um, people couldn't afford to run, but it was important for public interest Looking reasons. after the little man. Yeah, that's right. And I, I did that for 10 years there. When you arrive then at a company like that, you don't get um, the, they don't go, what would you like to do? Where would you like to be? Do they, do they just give you that? Um, I, there was a, there was a vacancy in that area. Right. And so I went straight into that. And it was good because, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I started. It was the first real job that I had, um, first full-time real real serious job. Um, but I knew I kind of wanted to work in that area yes. and I was pleased I got it and I stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. I guess because that's in you then, isn't it, to want to be able to, you know, help. Because, I mean, really that uh, being in that area is a lot of money in that area, but not necessarily in the area that you chose. Yeah, that's right. You know? There's... Um, uh, uh, you work long hours and you get paid reasonably well, but, you know, if you jumped the fence and worked on the other side, you'd get two or three times as much. Right. Yeah. And you have a PhD in law and politics. And um, I think I read about your thesis was called Work to Rule, the Rethinking Marx 
and law. There's another word in there, isn't there, as well? Pashikanis, that's, that's right. That's right, yes. Bless you. What does that mean? <laughs> I was looking at... Um, well, I just always wanted to go back and do further study, but I didn't want to do it straight after I finished uni. I wanted to work for a while. and um, But he just kept nagging at me, these ideas, and I wanted to go back and work them through. And basically what I was interested in is the way that governments suspend basic human rights, like with people who come here seeking asylum, you know, all of a sudden they start carving out bits of Australia and saying it's not Australia anymore. Um, or you give certain suspects less rights than others. And I was interested in that and how it connected with globalisation. Even so, back then. Yeah. And so I, I went back and um, did a PhD to try and sort of figure all of that stuff out. And Pashikarnas was this um, old uh, legal, I guess, the legal czar of Russia before Stalin killed him. Um, and he had this great idea that we needed to get rid of laws. There were too many laws. And so he just sat in a room with a red pen, basically. And so wow. I went back and read some of his stuff and wrote about it. Sounds like a good read. <laughs> I don't recommend it to him. I like a good Jackie Collins <laughs> novel. The Herald Sun did run a big... Uh, uh, page two spread on my thesis on in their Saturday paper and I felt sorry for the poor intern that they obviously made read the whole thing or either that or they just sat there with a word search trying to find something interesting there wasn't very, very much interesting in there I, I apologize to you intern if you're no not now. at all did them good <laughs> about the only day they learned anything at the Herald's and I reckon well, and I'm glad to know that someone else read my thesis yes <laughs> now each and every week we ask our guests to bring in an item that they want to go to hell in a handbasket and I'll do my best to make the decision whether it goes or not. What is item number one? Uh, the East West Link. Uh, oh. I, look, I have a vision of Melbourne that that might just be the Europhile in me talking, but if you know you've been to a good city if you can get around without having to use a car and you can just pop down to the nearest metro station or jump on the nearest tram or even catch a bus. And I reckon Melbourne can be like that. And if we are now going to spend like $18 billion to wreck, I think, part of what's good about Melbourne, and it'll be a huge polluting toll road through the middle of Fitzroy and Collingwood and all those areas that we love, um, and it'll be money that won't go into public transport. So if I could send item number one to hell in a handbasket, that would be it. Well, I don't drive. <laughs> So you can imagine that I don't really want that link. However, I have a lot of drivers, you know, and, uh, well, I don't have a lot. I don't do anything <laughs> to, them nice. to get Let's rid of them. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I, um, I have a lot of mates or I book a driver, you know what I mean? And uh, I just, I don't get it either. I do not know why we would need that. There are enough major roads already. But I would imagine when you're up and down some of these and you're sitting in the traffic, it's a nightmare. But like you mentioned... Why not two more with the public transport? If you just look down the Why not two more? Eastern Freeway every morning, it's bumper to bumper, yes. and you look down the middle of it, and there's land that's just begging for a train line down there, and people can't People have to drive because they've got no alternative. And if you build a train line, people will use it. Yes, because I think one of the reasons that people don't like using the public transport we've got is because it's not that brilliant. It is all right. I'll give it that. It's all right. Um, but it could be a lot better. And obviously, more money means it would be even better. That's right. And the trick, they say, is that if you can 
rip up the timetable and not have to rely on a t- look at a timetable yeah. and you just go because you know that a train or a bus will there come will within 10 minutes, one, yes. then all of a sudden people just flock to it. Yes. That's, that's my vision. No, I will, it's, a, it's a really good one. I like it. And, uh, well, I don't think I've got a doubt in my mind, Adam Band. We're going to definitely send the link out to a hell in a handbasket. Oh, well, we had to get rid of that. I mean, I, um, I'm from London originally, and uh, they, they, well, there is a timetable, but like you mentioned, I don't think it's necessary. And another one I'll get while I'm there, because I didn't get this out, the airport. Couldn't we not have a train that goes to the airport? What a smart idea. I mean, I don't think it's original, but it is a good one, isn't it? What gives me the irrits is that that idea only comes up in an election year, yes. and people talk about it and love it, and then you never hear anything about it again. It's odd, but isn't I it? think people want it. Well, I know they do. Mm. I mean, a sky bus is all right, but it's not... No, uh, listen, I, you've got me going, Adam. <laughs> I think... I, sometimes I wonder whether I've missed my calling in politics. I think there's a future for you. I really do. Yeah. I really do. However, I'm worried about the closet with skeletons in there that you would not believe. I really am worried. Do you ever worry about that? Things you've done... Oh, sure. Um, but I think that if, you, now, if you let that, I, I think so. And if you let that um, get in the way, then, you know, people are going to lead pretty sterile lives and yes. they're just going to become. They're not, though, are they? That's what I like. Yeah, that's right. And so I think, you know, you just got just to accept it. My guest tonight is Adam Band, and very rarely do we have any politicians on. I think the last one was um, Clem Newton-Brown. Are you familiar with Clem? I've met Clem, yeah. I met yes, Clem. he's a lovely man. He'd have been very entertaining. He uh, was, yeah. yes. Terrible politician. No, he's a wonderful, <laughs> terrible. I'm a, I'm a silly, silly person for saying that. No, he's lovely. Um, I want to get you now to go back to 2007, which is really when you were pre-selected to stand as the Greens candidate. That's when it all happened, man, really, isn't it? It's a pretty big year for me because yeah. um, I stood for pre-selection and um, won, and, but I had to leave my job. To start running it, um, the bold then, isn't it? Because you were, you've got to be, you had to be worried. Yeah, there was the um, the pretty big decision. Never really done anything like that before, and I just had a bit of savings, um, uh, sort of put aside, and I just thought, well, no, this is this is it. You got to do it. And um, for me, it was uh, to get serious for a moment. It was reading the science of climate change that made me think, oh, well, we've only got short period of time to turn the ship around and I felt that government was one of the places that we could do that. So I um, quit my job and started running in elections in 2007. Isn't that amazing that you mentioned that it's a serious topic? Um, But nowadays there's a lot of us out there that just believe that it isn't a boring, serious topic, it's a necessary one, that we really should be shouting about it. Well, and we should. And look, you know, you look around the world and... You've got David Cameron, the Conservative Prime Minister of the UK, saying his country is going to cut its pollution in half uh, by 2026. And you've got Angela Merkel, the Chancellor in Germany, mm. who's Conservative in the Conservative Party and who loves standing in front of wind farms and opening that. And yet you come back to Australia and we've got this science what denying, you know, just guy running the country who's stuck in 
the 1950s socially and pretty much every other aspect of his policy and um, taking the country backwards. And I've had people from met some pretty interesting people doing this job and I met one guy who was the climate advisor to Angela Merkel in Germany and he said, um, I'm not going to try the accent, you, you can do that for no, me, no, you can dub no. that on later, but he said, um, look, we, we look at you Australians and we scratch our heads with your wonderful sun and wind and waves and your smart people and your manufacturing capacity, why aren't you leading the world in renewable energy? Why is it left up to cloudy Germany? I am only assuming that you let him know it's because of the one man, not because of all of it. That's, yeah, I think people are starting to get that get that impression, yes. which is, you know, it's a shame. It means Australia gets embarrassed yet again overseas, but I think people understand. Oh, they do, yes. We're, we're, I wonder, is it going to be one? Is it going to be one term only? What do you reckon? I think there's every chance, and mm. I think that... What have we got to do about it? Well, keep the pressure up, and like, it's not often that still in October or September, you know, September now, we've got still thousands of people out in the streets rallying against the budget. Like, when has that happened in recent history? Yes, and, exactly. And Not only people, the budget either, a lot, isn't it? They're yeah. out there. And They're even, angry. Even people who voted for him, probably a lot of them voted against Labor rather than voting for him, and probably a lot of people believed him when he said, I'm not going to cut education or health or the pensions. And now all of a sudden he's being held to account. Um, it's probably got something to do with why he's flicking the switch to khaki all of a sudden and now trying to get us to talk about anything else but the budget. Um, but uh, I think that people, uh, there's a big collective case of buyer's remorse going on in the country. Yes, yes, because there's no risk. Heat is there, but no one to send it back. Um, 29th of November, I believe, is the state elections. Is that right? That's right. Wow. One so that's when up. it all happens. So another one coming up at the um, end of this year. It's a chance to um, get rid of Dennis Napthine, if that's your bent, and it certainly is mine, and we're hoping to get some greens in the balance of power and to say... We're going to rip up the east-west contract and put the money into public transport. For example. I am. Um, I did ask Dennis to come on and do this. Oh yeah. You know, he said no. Oh. Yes, it was a little hurtful, um, but that's the way it is, isn't it? You know, he could have talked about whatever he wanted. He's missing he? out. I think he is. Yeah. Now, um, let me know uh, what the twenty-first of August uh, means to you. Uh, what, what does that date mean to you? Twenty-first of August. Was it when you declared victory? For the Australian Greens. In, when we first got elected. Yes. Yeah, that was, look, that was pretty special. Doesn't mean a lot then if you don't remember I the date. I don't remember. That's, that's, that's not the thing I remember, but it, it was a pretty, it was a bit of a blur, one, can I yes. say. It was like getting elected was, um, it was the first time the Greens had done it in a general election and uh, were pretty excited and I'd promised myself that on the night that if I got elected was going to be to bed reasonably early. No, I said the opposite. I said that if I get elected, I'll I'll get to bed early because things are going to be different and um, and I've got to be up ready to face it all. And so I dutifully, you know, went to bed at about 11 or 12 and um, I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to what was going on in the rest of the country. I was just like, oh, I've won. This is pretty exciting. And then wake up in the morning and start to realise, read the newspapers and realise that, oh, actually our vote's going to be pretty important. We haven't just won, but all of a sudden, you know, and it's not every day you get to check your phone and find 
messages from Julie Gillard and Tony Abbott wanting to be your best friend and, right. you know, Tony yes. Abbott telling you that he's always considered himself a real environmentalist and if only we'd, if only we was properly understood and sit down did and have a chat, we'd realise, I wish I did. Oh. I'd change my phone, but I reckon it'll be worth a bit. That's, oh, my that's, my, that's my one regret. All right, we'll be back to that, I think. I, we can't leave that there. I do want to know, though, your item number two to go to hell in a handbasket. Um... Can I send the World Congress of Families to hell in a handbasket? Only if you let me know a little bit more about them. Well, this is the mob that uh, had to shift from venue to venue to hold their conference in Melbourne um, after, uh, you know, promoting what can only be described as bigotry and hatred and having... um, Senior ministers like Kevin Andrews, who's in charge of working out whether people can stay on welfare or not in this country, and um, Erica Betts, who's in charge of promoting the rights of people in the workplace, decide that they would go and speak and join in um, a discussion about what the right kind of family is and whether there's a link between breast cancer and abortion. And we flushed them out and we managed to get... Um, them get the ministers to pull out from going and speaking to them and forcing, you know, shining a bit of a spotlight, spotlight on this little gathering of nastiness. So if if they could be sent at least out of Melbourne, that would be something I'd very Where much Where are like. they now then? Do we well, know? Well, they're, they're a shadowy international organisation and I don't know where they're going to hold their next conference. I think it might be in Russia, I'm not sure. They might get a bit more of They'd a reception from there. Vladimir Putin. It is unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> That's right, but anyway, they're... I um, mean, obviously we know that groups like that hold their own beliefs. That's, we're never going to get rid of that, are we? Not everyone is going to think the way that we do. You know, but you don't expect senior government no, ministers exactly right. to then go and give them the tick of approval by opening their conference and hosting them up in Parliament House, which is what they were planning to do. I think that is a bridge too far. Freedom of speech, sure, but yes. you should not be giving these people any more publicity or any more of a leg up. Do you want me to put Kevin Andrews in there as well? <laughs> oh, no. Great. No, we shouldn't. Should we? I, I probably this probably unparliamentary. Yeah. Unparliamentary for no, me. No, no, we must request do that. that. All right, I've got no doubt in my mind. Stupid people are going directly to hell in a handbasket. Well, the World Congress of Families. I mean, it's even not even a like it's not even a descriptive name, is it? About what they do. No, it's not, and that's probably... That's what in, they're interested in, is it, the family unit, is it? Well, that's what they say, yes. and it's, um, it's a pretty narrow definition of what's acceptable and what's not. Mm, well, it is unacceptable. Now, I do you know what it is, as I've watched you on the um, television and things like that, when you're giving a speech, and you really um, managed to hit the nail on the head, as it were. Um, there's something about... Now, I believe that it has an awful lot to do with what you believe in, because you believe in the environment and you believe in human rights. Now, wouldn't you imagine that all politicians should believe in that? It should be a prerequisite, really. Really? You would and imagine, you would wouldn't think you? think so, yeah. Uh, but Sadly, it's not. It's like, and there are times when uh, you, you you think you can't get shocked anymore, but then you hear some things that other members of parliament say. Often, sotto voce, as you're standing up to ask a question, and you know, there's the sledging and whatever that goes on. But even more important than that is the things that they actually believe and are prepared to say out loud. Yes. Uh, and 
you just shake your head and you think, where, where, what planet are you from? Is it um, really necessary when you're in Parliament to have all that yelling like that? Is that really necessary? I think it's theatre. And yes. um, the, you know, when my mum comes and visits in Canberra, with mum and dad from time to time come and spend a couple of days up there, um, mum can't stand sitting in question time. No, and she I just, would imagine just not. leaves it. And I reckon there's a lot of people like that who just watch it and it's confected theatre and. Um, you know, she was a teacher and she said she wouldn't take school kids to watch it. No, because that isn't any way to bring up. I mean, if we want a debate. We want, you know, um, a, a subject to be debated, not like yelled at each other. Yeah, it's exactly right. And like, there's some pretty big thorny issues that we're facing as a country. And like, if there's one thing that I hear from people most often, it's that there's just this lack of long-term thinking going on in Parliament. It's and all like, about now. Yeah, it's all about now. And um, like the best compliment that I got from someone in this last election campaign was when someone came up to me and said, look, I just want to thank you for treating me like an adult. Right. And they just said it's the first time someone's actually said, here's what I stand for, here's the arguments behind it. If you don't like it, don't vote for me, but here's, here's it is, let's have a discussion about right. it. I don't have all the answers, but here's what I think is important. And... I think if politics was a bit more like that, people might feel a bit more engaged. Is that less bullshit, really? Yeah, that's exactly it? right. Yes, <laughs> that's it, really, isn't it? <laughs> Which I believe is a very old Aussie way, but it's not, it's not becoming that way. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. I think you're probably telling me less bullshit in my little spiel then as no, well. No, not at all. No, no, good. you're on the radio. It's yeah, nice. You're it. behind <laughs> like that. Thank you're you. learned. Thank you. I am not. Now, I think it was uh, well, only last year, of course, you were re-elected. Yeah. It means you're doing all right then, doesn't it, really? We, we were pleased with that. And um, we, uh, unlike last time, we had um, the Liberal Party deciding that they wanted to get Labor in over us. And um, when Tony Abbott and Jeff Kennett in one week took to the national airwaves to say, put the Greens last in Melbourne because these pesky people in Parliament with small numbers are having too much of an effect. I knew I was doing something right. That was the best advertising I could have ever had, so I put right. it on all my leaflets and um, we we won. And uh, we, were, we did it through a people-powered campaign. I had a couple of people who'd been over and spent a bit of time in Obama's campaign in the States and they came back all fired up and so we just got back to basics and went out and knocked on a lot of doors and talked to a lot of people and um, yeah, we're really pleased with the result. Well, I believe that a lot of people are realising that these issues are really, really important. Um, this is a country, like you mentioned, uh, that, you know, that has all the assets of, you know, a wonderful country and all of, you know, all those sort of things going for it, yet we're doing one of the least out of the world. Yeah, couldn't It is it remarkable, better? isn't it? Are you sure you don't want to run? No, uh -huh. uh, no, I uh, well, well, maybe. Uh, I'll tell you, I think recently you had a wonderful uh, fundraising dinner with Bob Brown. That must have been lovely. Yeah, Bob's pretty great. He's, yes. he's um, one of the reasons that uh, I got involved in politics. I remember him standing up in Parliament to George Bush when George Bush came and making this really sort of dignified but passionate protest about what George Bush was doing and that kind of really spoke to me. And um, he's now having a you know a wonderful life he and his um, partner paul have just been touring around australia as gray nomads they spent three months Brilliant. on the road Lovely. having a ball and um caught up with bob and it's just he's um how you can 
go for so long with your in Australian politics with your integrity intact and still be optimistic it's just there's a force of nature it is really. amazing isn't yeah. it but then I think you know uh, I think there's a lot to be said about being with the Greens otherwise um, if you're not optimistic I mean you know because uh, we haven't got any of those environmental issues sorted there are issues we know to do with that that if you're not optimistic you'd give in yeah and it's tough you know because you read the um, science and the facts and you think my god we're in trouble yes. and then you realize that tony abbott's in charge and like there's moments of just thinking oh god how, how can we do this and um but it's um as as an old um uh italian revolutionary said it's um uh, pessimism of the intellect but optimism of the will you know you can know yes things are hard but you've always got to be optimistic well, because exactly if you're not right. then, or as bob brown said the other day the thing about um uh stupid people is that they're cocksure whereas optimistic uh, whereas intelligent people doubt themselves and he said optimism's the antidote to that right well, i doubt myself every day now what about your last item to go to hell in a handbasket what is it um Look, this is one that occurred to me this morning because it happened to me. It's the shuffle all function in iTunes. Oh, right. I, I cannot stand it. Like, maybe it's the frustrated DJ in me coming out, but I just figure that if someone's put together an album and crafted it from beginning to end, listen to it from beginning to end. I want to do that. And if, um, uh, and if you want to put together a compilation, I'll put together a compilation. But I don't want to have one song on my iPod or on the radio jarringly going into another. I mean, that's the death of the DJ. So for me, that's, that's mine. All right, now you could get rid of that function, though, couldn't you? I potentially could. I don't know how to turn it off, and it turns itself on at points. And I know this is... Let me give you a lesson on that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yes, it's very easy. I am the Greens science and technology spokesperson, so I probably should learn how to do that. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, you can't be good at everything, can you? Now, I um, well, I'm, I, I think with that in mind, because once I've shown you how to get rid of that button, I don't think we're going to put that away to hell in a handbath. I know what you mean, though, because if you're taken, like Miley, Miley Cyrus, she spent a good 20 minutes making her last album, <laughs> and she wanted you to listen from the beginning right to the very end, didn't she? That's who I was you thinking know, exactly, exactly, I was, you yes. Understand. Bangers, I think it was. Um, and, uh, well, like any of them, but no, I don't think we can put shuffle all off into oh. hell in a handbag. Right. Oh. oh well, we had to do that. I'm sorry, Adam. You did well, though. You did really well. Now, with that in mind, your music. Weren't you a guest presenter on one of those music programs? Oh, last year during the election campaign, they invited me, Julie Bishop and Anthony Albanese as the deputies of all of our parties to go on and guest program Rage. And, you know, I had a moment there of thinking, I don't care what happens in the election. I've made it now. This is my life's dream. And yes. so uh, it w- I had a blast. It was just great fun. Sadly, they didn't get us all in the same room at the same time. That would have been even better. But, um, yeah. Would you have liked that really, though? Cause uh, yeah, I think that would have been fun. To, all right. What, yeah. what music did you go yeah. A bit of everything, really, and um, music that uh, you know spoke to me when I was growing up, um, and uh, some more recent sort of dancier stuff. Um, if uh, 
if I wasn't doing what I was, what I'm doing now, you want to be a DJ. Well, yeah, I look. I, I I've got a couple of turntables at home. Oh. They haven't been bought out since I've been elected, but um, they used to get a bit of a workout. It was a nice sort of little stress relief from from work. Uh, well, listen, I've got it in one. Then, really, what we need to do, we'll organise a little function at yours. I'll be over, do a bit of cabaret, and you can do some DJ. Back to mine. Sounds what, good. What more do we need? That sounds great. Now, Adam, it's been wonderful meeting you. This is our second to last episode. We are next week with the last one. And uh, I couldn't think of a better way to get to know you a little bit more. I have to be really, really honest with you. I don't know a lot about politics, but I like the way you think and I believe in what you're standing for. So good on you. Look, thanks very much. It's been um, really lovely to be here. And if you ever want that application form to start running yourself at the next election, just let us know. Done. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. You've been listening to a To Hell in a Handbasket podcast. Proudly brought to you by Dolly Diamond, Joy 94.9 and Big Mouth Media. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.